Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary, one of your co-hosts, and today we are super excited about our episode because we are breaking out our crystal balls to predict the future of the event industry. So join us as we talk about what we've learned in the last year and how you can stay ahead of the event trends in the future. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Better Events Podcast today. This is Mary, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by Logan Clements, our other co-host as well. We just want to say hello. Thanks for tuning in another week. Um, We're excited about our topic today, and we're just going to start off with a quick little little check-in. So, Logan, how's it going? Uh, You could give also a quick introduction of yourself and tell us how have you been balancing work and enjoying the summer? I think we all need a little bit of advice on that. <laughs> we can always do a little better. Hi, everybody. Logan here. Um, as Mary mentioned, fellow co-host of the Better Events Pod. Um, yeah, I think it's a good question about balance in summer. I know this is a topic you and I talk a lot about, not necessarily on the podcast, but separately about how we are trying to enjoy the summer while also uh, the busy event season that is upon us slash I feel like incoming for the fall. So I know something I've been trying to institute is uh, summer Fridays. <laughs> which are sometimes efficient, sometimes work, sometimes don't. And what I mean by that is it, I had a friend who was leaving her job and had a bunch of time off built in uh, a couple years ago. And so when I first started working for myself, she needed to use up time off. So she took every Friday off for the final like eight weeks of her job before she went to grad school. And I would join her and we'd work in the morning and then usually in the afternoon do something summer related, usually hang by the pool or go on a walk. And so that was something this year I was trying to reinstitute because here in the you know, Pacific Northwest, we have so many gorgeous like hikes and I'm right by the Puget Sound. So right by the ocean and want to make sure that I'm like taking advantage of that. So I put those in my calendar a couple weeks ago and got to go kayaking the other week. Um, Last week, I just sat in a little kiddie pool in the yard at my partner's house. So I'm trying to inject some of that, you know, fun we had when we were kids. But Mary, how about you? What are you doing to balance your work and enjoy the summer at the same time? Well, first of all, I'm glad that you brought up Summer Fridays. I was hoping that you would because I love the idea and I'm trying to implement it. I just kind of started, so I haven't quite hit it home yet, but I love the idea. So yeah, for me, it's just kind of trying to break up my days a little more because it's so like hard to look out the window and it's just so nice outside and I see people in my neighborhood walking their dogs and I'm like, I wish I was out there. And so um, I mentioned this, I think in our last episode actually, but I got a hammock And I've been thinking about it for a long time. So I'm really excited about it. And so I've been kind of breaking up my days and going out there, even if it's just for like 15 minutes or something like that. It's like really peaceful and relaxing to me. And so that's just been like a nice little reset. I love that. That's a, I have a hammock as well, but I've never used it. So you're inspiring me to potentially try to (laughs) go find (laughs) two trees to, to put a hammock up in, but Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing is just acknowledging that, yeah, we also need some outdoor time. I think we've both been in the virtual event world, which has been so convenient to do it from home, but you can often look up and realize you haven't left your house in like two days because you've been working. Um, so it's nice to kind of carve out that time 
But I am so excited to talk about today's topic. I feel like we're all going to – we're putting on our – bringing out our crystal balls and going to pretend that we can predict the future um, because it's just really fun to kind of think about what the future of events are going to look like. I also kind of wish that we'd done a podcast episode like this a year ago (laughs) just so we could have seen how much we were either right or wrong about the way events have progressed in just a year, 18 months since COVID hit. Um, and it's just something that as a part of what we do as event planners and producers, I find clients are constantly asking us to predict what's going to be trendy in the coming months or help them stay ahead of the curve and try something new. Uh, so we always thought it would be really fun just to kind of create a little time capsule for ourselves, I guess, of talking about what we think, um, how, how the events have changed in the past year and what we think will be coming ahead to the future. And then this time next year, we will revisit some of our answers and see how right or wrong we really were because we always like to learn and grow. Right, Mary? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about last year and I honestly like, I mean, I think we don't need to like hash out too much of all the thoughts that everybody had during COVID. Cause I feel like we all were kind of in the same spot where it's, it lasted a lot longer than we thought it would. And our ideas probably changed over time about what we felt like that was going to look like even moving forward. And and even now things are more hopeful, but it's still kind of like uncertain <laughs> still. And so you're right. I wish we could have gone back a year ago and done a podcast, but Hey, we'll just do one a year from now. And our predictions might be completely wrong. So <laughs> it's going to be exciting to see what happens. Yeah. I think um, that that was fun. As we were thinking through this, I did want to reflect back on like what we thought the future of, of events would be like a year ago. Like we can kind of go back in time. I know I remember what I was thinking was I thought virtual events were kind of happening, but I just didn't know how much people were going to buy into them. Um, it was ex- We all were looking for ways to connect, but I, I know I think I talked to you about it, Mary, too, was I was convinced the only events happening were going to be weddings and funerals because unfortunately then those life events are going to continue to happen. And so people will want to make an effort to gather and do something, but I didn't know how much the corporate world would take on, how much nonprofits would embrace virtual. And so I just felt like a year ago, I definitely was, it was, I was very uncertain, but that was when you and I had started working together on a project where it was also exciting to try to learn something new, but we were like constantly just kind of researching and trying to learn and figure out what this whole virtual world even meant. Yeah. And for me, so one year ago, exactly July 2020 is when I started my business, like actually doing events for myself. And so that even changes it a little bit for me because part of the intent of starting the business was because I had a couple opportunities that were in-person events, right? So I definitely thought the future of events were going to be different (laughs) at that time. And even during, you know, COVID, because that obviously was happening in July of 2020, I didn't think it would last very long. And so some of these clients they had, they they were still clients. And so it finally took a while for us to decide that we really did have to change gears. So, so yeah, like you said, Logan, virtual events, that's something that was on my radar and I thought that it would continue to be, but I didn't think that a lot of organizations or even companies would transition. It seemed at the time, like a lot, were just going to wait it out and kind of see what happened. And I think there was an aspect of that, but now that we're so deep into it. I think that's changed a little bit. Um, people kind of <laughs> kind of gave into the virtual world a little bit more. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot that I could say about what I thought was going to happen last year. Um, but I definitely thought that virtual wouldn't play as big of a role and that it wouldn't last as long either. Yeah. No, I, I think that's like, 
I mean, I guess if we can touch on how we think our expectations have changed about the future of events just in the last 12 months, um, going back to what you said of like that virtual was maybe a fad or a lot of people were going to wait it out. I did mm-hmm. joke like I didn't get my hair cut for a really long time because I was going to get it cut right when COVID hit. And then I was like, oh, I'll just wait it out. I'll go get my hair cut when COVID's you know, done. Uh, and then I slowly realized like this is going to be around for a while. So I might as well just suck it up and go get my hair cut with a mask on because there's no – it's not – you know, I'm going to have to go years without getting my hair cut. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of clients and organizations have realized that they needed to try it. And I know what I'm really excited about is that in the future, I think people are going to be more intentional with what event that they plan, um, whether it's in-person, whether it's virtual, whether it's, you know, the new buzzword of hybrid. Um, I don't think every event's going to be hybrid, but just like I also don't think every event's going to be virtual or in-person. And so just having those conversations is something I'm really excited about and getting our clients to think through why they're asking people to come if it's in person or why are they asking for someone's time if it's online or why are they trying to target two different groups of people when they're doing a hybrid event. So I know that's something that keeps me excited about our changing expectations. How about you? Yeah, same. I think there's lots of lessons, like not just in the event world, in life in general, right, that we've learned during the pandemic. And it's it's exactly what you said. Um, And I think too, so first, I guess on a smaller scale when you think about the the pieces of like um health and hygiene and like safety that have been implemented during the pandemic when it when we think about that in events i'm like yeah some of these things we should we should probably like have hand sanitizer at events just kind of like a good thing to do or just little things like that here and there i'm like yeah maybe maybe that could stick around i think we've learned some valuable lessons and it would just kind of make it um I think it's a better guest experience as well. So like, that's kind of like the small side of it. And then on the bigger side, like when we're talking about expectations, yeah, it, it's important. I think that we remember the things that we've learned during the pandemic and I'm, I'm worried and I'm kind of seeing people forget it really quickly. And so when we're thinking about the event industry in that sense, it's, you know, remembering exactly what you said, Logan, that we really should be focusing on why we're doing this event who our audience is and how that's going to affect how we go about doing it, whether it is that virtual or hybrid component or in person, you know, whatever it is. Um, So I just hope that we can, you know, remember Um, because when we think about why we do events, it really, really pairs it down and simplifies it. And for me personally, how I do events, I try to do them in a simple way. Um, And so I just hope, like I said, that that we can somehow somehow try to remember that. I mean, that being said, I'm sure we're all excited to go back to have like a grand party with all the things. Um, But as long as we remember the important part too. But I think like that'll come back. But I guess what I was thinking about was um, like some of us, we've been craving interaction, like in-person interaction. And it's been really fun as things are, especially here in Washington State, we just reopened at the end of June. So Things are now full capacity. We're able, like my favorite restaurant, we can sit at the bar again if we'd like. Like these things are are, are novelty. But like you said, some people have already probably moved on and are back to like, oh, things are back to normal. I, what I'm curious about is as we get that like that socialization need that we all felt deprived of for the last year and a half, as we're able to still do that in like our personal lives with our friends, with our family, in like those networks, I, I still I'm very curious to see how it's going to affect 
more prof- like professional events or even nonprofit events and things like that because I think there could be like a huge boom of everyone missing everything right now just because we've been so deprived of it. But then I could also see that kind of like going back down again because there are some beautiful things about virtual and about not having to travel and commute or go on long trips if you don't need to. Like I, I could just see people being like a, a customers, attendees, the people that our, our clients and organizers are targeting to come to their events are going to be a little bit more skeptical, like doing a big um, you know, fundraiser in a ballroom sounds amazing with a big dinner. Like that might be great because we haven't done that in so long. But then after, you know, you go to one or two again, it'll be like, well, but I, you know, I had a really great time at home with, you know, having my friends over and we drank wine and watched the live stream. Like, why am I going to go and um, be in person or something like that? Like, I'm just interested. I don't know. It's like and then predictions podcast. I'm not honestly predicting here, but I'm very curious to see where everything levels out once we get back to feeling like we're not missing connection again. Yeah, I think attendance is going to be hard to predict as time goes on, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, because when I think about uh, events, it's so up in the air now. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's hard to to plan on how many attendees that we might expect, especially if you have the hybrid component. And because, yeah, you're right. When I think of events, I'm like, I'm one of those people that's probably more likely to attend a virtual event than an in-person event. That just like works for me. Um which is kind of going to kind of complicate the planning process a little bit. So I think there's going to be, it's almost as like you're starting a new event again, right? You're like not sure how many people are going to come to that first event that you do. And so, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, I think, as we figure out who of our audience wants to attend what type of event. Hmm, That's interesting. I haven't like really thought through that until you said that, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, it's exciting. It's also just... You know, it's just interesting. I'm very curious to see what turns out. And I think just to button up our talking about looking back the last 12 months before we really gear into the future, um, I know another thing that uh, changed my expectations was the level of connection and opportunities I found with other event professionals when I was no longer constrained by my physical location. So the beauty that I've loved about virtual is how, I mean, you and I have worked together extensively without actually physically being in the same space. Um, And then we've also, we have mutual friends in our own networks across the country of people like us who just enjoy events and are good at what they do. And I know before COVID, I was feeling a little discouraged. I'm not going to lie. I just moved here from Shanghai about a year before everything went into lockdown. And I'd found it really hard to meet other people in the event industry. I mean, I had a couple did a lot of meetings with people who were very friendly to me, but after that, there really wasn't any follow-up. And I had felt a little, I don't know, let down because in, in Shanghai, the event community was pretty tight-knit and um, you did have to kind of volunteer at a couple events to get your foot in the door. But then after that, it people were very welcoming just to kind of collaborate on projects, to bring you in if they needed extra help, to ask for advice. It was a very open community. Um, and I know with the virtual world, I felt like all of us, because maybe all of our egos got knocked down a couple pegs when you have no no work anymore, that we've all been a lot more open um, or it's just been easier because you're not constrained by where you physically live to like connect with other people that are similar to you and the fact that they love producing really fun and engaging events. And so what are you most excited about for the next 12 months when it comes to events? And I'll actually throw in here too, also about running your own business. If you want to do one events and then we can talk own business as well. Yeah. Yeah. Those are both good questions. The next 12 months, I will, I truly wish I had that crystal ball where it tell me exactly how it's going to pan out. But I think for what I think is going to pan out, what I'm most excited about in the next 12 months of events is to 
have people gather, like we've talked about, the actual in-person gatherings, and to be able to provide an experience or opportunity, some sort of like form of entertainment or something like that, that's like unforgettable. And I feel like that sounds like very grand, (laughs) but I mean, that's what I'm excited about is to be a, a part of that, you know, like as a planner, when we're doing an event, we have that feeling, or at least I hope that we do, um, when we're doing an event where it's like, wow, I'm just so proud and happy to be a part of this. And I'm excited to kind of have that feeling again. It's not that I haven't had that during COVID, but I think that for planners, that is going to kind of come back more so. If that ma- Does that make sense? Like, because yeah. I don't know about you, when I'm done with an event, it just feels so like, whoo, that was an amazing thing that we all just did together. And then with virtual, it's just kind of like, okay, bye. Like, you don't have that moment where you can celebrate this great thing that you've just accomplished together and all the work that you've put in. So from that aspect, I mean, there's multiple things I could say, but that's the first one that comes to mind in the sense of from a planner's perspective, going back to um, maybe some in-person events in the next 12 months and feeling that feeling of just like elation for being done with an event. I love That's real. Yeah. No, I, I get what you mean. Like the, the post-event drinks or pizza or whatever it is to kind of wrap it all up. I will say I went to an in-person event a week ago, though, and then they had to do all the physical breakdown of all the tables and chairs and the moving of everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, with virtual, (laughs) we don't have to do that part. But you're right. I'm with you, too. I've had to take some serious power walks around my neighborhood to, like, decompress after a virtual event because usually you do have that kind of, like, whatever that looks like of blowing off steam with with your colleagues and celebrating a job well done versus, yeah, it's like an exit and you just close your computer and (laughs) the event's over. Yeah. I think my thing that I'm most excited about, it's kind of a cheap shot because it's back to my earlier point, but really just seeing how organizers are more intentional with their events with that virtual hybrid and in-person breakdown. I've been really excited by some um, groups that have decided to keep certain events virtual because they've seen the benefit and it really just fits what they're going for. Um, And then I've started to see a couple of people dabbling in hybrid, which has been really interesting to try to guide them through that process because we talked about it last week on our episode with Anka. So if you were sitting there being like, Logan, what do you guys mean by hybrid? That like, Go back and listen to that episode because it's very helpful. But um, having to treat them as essentially two separate events. <laughs> it's an in-person experience and a virtual and having to have two separate teams of people who are in charge of one, the in-person experience and someone else who's in charge of the virtual side. And what does that look like as a part of your planning process? And then helping the client feel comfortable day of with what that actually ends up looking like um, for the two different groups. So that's what I'm very excited about because I think it's going to change. And as you said, Mary, as we get to go back to in-person and doing that kind of stuff, it's going to be really, really fun. Um, But I just, I can't wait to see kind of where, where that circles out. But do you have anything as a business owner that you're excited about for the next 12 months? Yes, a couple things. Um, first, and this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, but I'm actually really excited to see the technology that's developed because I've been so impressed by just all these new forms of technology that we have to make a virtual event possible during the last year. And so companies were able to create and transition into these wonderful things that have been so useful. And I can just imagine what that's going to look like a year from now in the event industry. Um, yeah, that piece makes me way excited because maybe we can touch on that just for a second, Logan, because I feel like you've been super deep in the tech side of the virtual world. And so when we're thinking of hybrid events and things like that, I think we're going to have some companies coming up with some brilliant ideas that are really going to streamline that process for us. 
Yeah, no, it's exciting. I mean, it's exhausting at times because there's always a new platform or a new technology always that people are excited about. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think as we return to in-person um, and with the hybrid component, certain companies are probably going to start to rise above the rest for making it easy um, and attainable. Uh, you know, it's nothing that I think like Zoom and certain tools and stuff might are going to continue. And I'm going to spoil a little bit of my my prediction for the end, but I'll talk more about that. But yes, I think I'm just very excited uh, because gone are the days where if you're going to be advertising that your event's hybrid and the, high, the virtual part is like a static camera in the back of the room and essentially the virtual audience is just like a fly on the wall, I don't think that's going to cut it anymore. So uh, that might have been what you were able to get away with back in 2019 early 2020, before that. But I think because we've been able to all experience a more interactive and engaging virtual event that you as an organizer are going to have to be utilizing these tools. And I, unfortunately, I don't know what they're going to look like, but I know every we love StreamYard here for good streaming. Um, and you could set up a really cool multi-camera system and use StreamYard as like your switcher versus having to pay an AV company to bring in AV techs and things like that. But it does require a level of... Um, tech savviness. Yeah, totally. And then along with the the business side of predictions as well or things that um, we're excited about, I I think that right now the event industry, from my perspective, is like such an interesting place to be in. And Logan and I have talked about this a little outside of the podcast, but like because it was one of the industries that was closed longest during the pandemic, a lot of people left the industry which I mean, makes sense. You got to do you and we got to make money, right? Yeah. But because of that and because of how the world is going back to normal, it just seems like from my perspective that the need is so big right now. And so for a business owner who does events, to me, it seems like a really hopeful time, like it potentially so many opportunities, um, available. So I don't know what your thoughts on that are, Logan, but in that aspect, I'm like excited about all the things that are, feel like they're coming and will continue to come just because of the need. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head of what I'm the most excited about as a business owner is the next 12 months. I mean, I've been needing to sit down and do, I kind of need to do like a business review uh, and like reorganize how I might be projecting my business to go in the next like year to 18 months. Um, just because I feel like there was what the way I did things before COVID and now I've developed this whole new adaptation of my skill set in virtual events and now slowly some in-person sporting. My specialty was in sporting events, but also nonprofits. And some of the sporting events are starting to come back and starting to figure out how do I how do I balance um, those different projects because they excite me in different ways. And so that's something that you're right. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity out there. So it's figuring out, one, what opportunities to, to really be going after and two, even like scaling up and what does that look like Um as we try to engage with some of these people who either have left the industry or training people who I know I have some friends who've decided to stay out of virtual events and just wait till in person come back. And I think, you know, there's various reasons of why you do that. But for anyone who's been hesitant to learn, I really strongly encourage you to learn because there are so many more roles available at an event if it's going to have a virtual component. Because like I said, you'll need almost double, like you need a speaker manager on site. And you probably, if you had any virtual speakers, you would need we, we've called them backstage managers, but it could be a speaker manager like virtually. And so that's, you know, those are two people instead of just what before COVID was only one. So there are opportunities um, there if you're willing to kind of retrain and learn some new skills. And I think that 
transitions well into what I was thinking for our next question, which is, does anything scare you about the future of events? And when I was thinking through that, my answer was what you just said. And was that when I think of what scares me with events, it's like, if we have to go back to strictly virtual or like other COVID regulations that we've experienced, like just if we have to go backward, that scares me. I don't know if I necessarily want to go there. Um, And especially for those that you're saying have kind of waited it out, that would be really scary for me to think like, well, yeah, if something happens and we have to backstep a little bit, then dang it, maybe I should have learned how to do a virtual event. Like maybe that's what some people are thinking. So I just want to echo what you exactly said, because that's what I've been been thinking about. And that's, it's never too late. Like that's, please know that it's never too late to learn a new skill. So if you're listening to this, you haven't really deep dived into the virtual world, well, then you should start doing that now because it might bring you some benefit in the future, regardless of what happens. It's just good to know. So um, that's something that I could see scaring, scaring some people. But what about you, Logan? What scares you about the future? My, I, I mean, mind melt on this. I think all of us would be, I don't know, you'd have to have a really short memory to not be nervous about COVID as we have opened back up, even what the fall will look like or the spring. I know last summer we were all feeling a lot better too. And then um, even though it was still pretty locked down, we had that those different waves. Um, so yes, as event people, we are constantly the rock or the decision maker for clients. And hopefully they're good looking to us to help steer them through this process. And the amount of times I've had to say I don't have a crystal ball over the last year um, has been really, really stressful. But I think it, you know, as much as it's a fear, I think it's also a strength for us knowing that we could help someone go both ways. So do it in person or do it virtual. And if anything, I just see it as event people to just be open about that uncertainty and don't pr- don't promise things that you can't guarantee. Like we can't guarantee that we won't take steps backwards because you and I are not health experts or, you know, we, I had to tell myself so many times last year, like, no, Logan, you can't personally cure COVID. That was like something several days I got really stressed out and like, was like, why can't this just happen? Um, so I think it's just helping people figure out their options, working with vendors, you know, that would be, you know, figuring out whatever agreement it is that is flexible and protects them as well as protects the client. Like you're just going to have to have a more discerning eye. Um, I know a lot of contracts have some form of like a COVID clause or some of the sporting events I'm going back into. um, We're doing extreme testing like every three, four days. And as a part of my contract with one, um, I am, if I contract COVID while working the event, they are responsible for my medical bills. Um, But I'm responsible for the cost of all my pre-event COVID testing. And I had a different event where they paid me, they paid for the pre-event COVID testing. So it's interesting seeing how some of that comes out and that risk just on the worker side, which is really fascinating. And I think something that as we get scared about, you're also going to, every client's different. We have some clients who have really big budgets and can afford something like that. We're going to have some events that don't have that kind of a budget or legal department or anything and helping them just figure out how can they mitigate their, their COVID risks as well. But I feel like we need to get into, I want to end with two predictions two from each of us, two from Mary, two from me, um, for event trends or results that we're going to see in July 2022. And I can can go first, Mary, with one if you want. Yeah, let's each share one. So you go, you share one, I'll share one, and then we'll go back and forth. Um, My first prediction is that we will still all be using Zoom in July 2022. I just, the only thing I think that will be different is that we might have more calls that are video off or audio only back to like phone call life. Um, But I think Zoom was so 
prevalent right in the beginning that everybody got really comfortable using it. Um, that it's it's gonna it's gonna survive. It's gonna be around as we talked about earlier, Mary. Like all those cool new tech platforms that are coming up, I still think hands down Zoom has the largest reach and the largest span of ages that are comfortable using it. So, how about you? What's your first prediction for July twenty twenty two? Yeah, my first prediction is. I feel like I sound like a broken record because it's what we've already talked about. But I would be very surprised if this didn't happen, and that is that for virtual or hybrid events, there are going to be, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say a percentage, but I'll say a significant number of attendees that attend in that form rather than in person. So to clarify, if there is, if it's a hybrid event, there's an option to attend in person. I believe a good chunk, a significant portion of the attendees will choose the virtual option. So like I said, I don't want to give a percentage because I don't, don't want to be wrong, but I think it's going to be significant. I Maybe I'd even say like 30%, but we'll see. 30% would be in-person and 70% online? No, 30% online, which is 70% still- 70% in-person. Exactly. I feel like that's still a significant chunk. It depends on the event, but um, especially for conferences, I think that's what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't exchange our predictions ahead of this episode. So both of us are hearing our predictions for the first time. But clearly, we we think similarly, because I would say my second prediction was that um, in-person events are going to be more elaborate. So think more exciting location or decor or fancier food, um, but they're targeting a smaller amount of people. So very in line with Mary with what you were saying. But if we're requiring people to come back in person, and I'm going to say this prediction comes from a little bit of like, I, this is what I hope will happen, <laughs> um, is that a bigger deal will be made about the people that make the effort to come in person. Think of these guys as like your super fans, my sports analogies, like those that buy tickets or are season ticket holders for a sports team, they like love your team. And so those are the people you want to make sure you're taking care of at your in-person experience versus you might have more casual fans who watch the TV broadcast. Two different audiences. That is the quintessential hybrid event is a sporting event. Um, but just thinking about like a season ticket holder, what perks are you giving the people that make the effort to come in person? And that I think that'll be a bigger focus now that we have the option to have a virtual component. And the same would be if there was no virtual component. If it was just an in-person only event. I think you need to pull out more of the stops to make it, this is why you need to physically come. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're I'm like I'm like changing my second prediction because it goes along with something you just said. I'll just I'll I'll touch and I'll say I think events are going to be more expensive for that reason, which goes along with exactly what you were just saying. For whatever reason, hybrid decor, more people want to come out, it, they're going to be more expensive to to put on. But the, but if I can say like a 0.5, my 2.5 um prediction is also that I think vendors are going to be harder to book because like we've talked about, there's like this huge need. Some people didn't stay and yes, new people will join the industry, but a lot of vendors I've talked to, they're already booking into next year. And I know that happened prior to the pandemic, but it just seems more so. And along with that, like I know for me as a business owner, the pandemic has really helped me think through like, who is my ideal client? What kind of events do I want to do? So perhaps if others felt and learned similarly, they might say no to certain events. I mean, I don't know. But 
I know I kind of gave three there, but that one I kind of wanted to put out there you too. Did, you can have a bonus. Again, we're going to revisit these a year from now and we will see how. Yeah, uh, how, doesn't really have a metric around it, I guess, but yeah. That's okay. I think we can just say anecdotally because um, mm-hmm. with that, again, because um, we're kind of talking to people who work in events. Um, and if you are one of those people who've been on the sidelines, like there is a need. I think the, the only caveat I have is so many clients now want people with experience because it is a new world of trying to do hybrid. Um, They're looking for teams that have done something like it before. And so much with events is it's like, you need the gig to get the experience, the experience to get the gig. You're going to hear me say this like probably every third episode of this podcast, but it really is. And so if you're someone who is super experienced in person, but has nothing to show for your virtual experience, like volunteer, yeah, volunteer, offer your services, you know, people will still pay you for your time at whatever, you know, pay scale or, you know, feels appropriate. But like, you do need to get that experience because like Mary mentioned, I think there's going to be a huge need and there's going to be people who have been doing this and are excited about it, who are starting to get really busy. And that's a great problem. We want people to be really busy, but like that then means there's a need for new people to come in and be able to take on some of those events that the busy people can't handle anymore. So, um, yeah, I think hopefully you have learned something in our episode about predictions for the future of events. We are predicting it to be very busy, um, prices to go up. We think Zoom will stick around and that our in-person events are going to become more elaborate than ever. And I I know, Mary, I'm super stoked to just, we should just travel a year in the future right now and we can then come back and we'll play little clips from this episode a year from now and see just how right or how wrong <laughs> we were with our crystal ball predictions. But I think it's bonus tip time, Mary. Absolutely. Bonus tip time. Okay. So I was just involved in a wedding over the weekend. And so this is where this bonus tip came from. When you're doing an in-person event, especially when it is on a larger space of land, then I recommend using radios. You can call them walkie-talkies, some type of headset where you're able to communicate with other people who are working the event, whether they are other staff members or volunteers or just key people that you need to communicate with during the event. And the main reason for that is that it's going to save your feet from having to walk around and find each other. So I learned that this weekend. I relearned it because it's been a while. So I highly recommend for this bonus tip to use some type of headset. And Logan has taught me that they're actually pretty affordable. So um, go ahead and take a look at those. And if you have, you know, if there's even two of you, two or more, I would recommend having some type of way to communicate via headset. Oh, I almost always require that at this point because, yep, the the ones I told you were affordable that I purchased was because we had an event at my uh, partner's farm that he's turning into an event space. And we walked so much because we didn't have an easy way to communicate with people and texting and phone calls are not very convenient when you're working an event and need things like right now. So I'm sure you got thousands and thousands and thousands of steps in this weekend, Mary. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, that's it for another episode of the better events podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at better events pod. You can send us an email if you want to know about those affordable walkie talkies or send us your own event predictions at better events pod at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. And we will be back in your ears with a new episode next Wednesday. Bye everybody. 